The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt, and welcome to The Sky's the Limit. And this week I have the privilege to be joined by a very special guest. My guest is Josh Blue perhaps best known as the comedian who puts cerebral palsy in the center stage. Josh Blue centers much of his self-deprecating act around his disability. He exploded onto the national comedy scene by capturing the attention and endearment of the country, has a winner of NBC's last comic standing. And it is with that that I would like to warmly welcome Josh Blue. Well, hello. Hi there. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit. It's, well, thank it's such you. An, you're welcome. I'm sure you're going to have me and everybody else laughing, which is which cool. would be awesome. <laughs> so I just want to jump right in. You've done so much. And I just, you know, I want to know what was life like growing up for you, Josh, as a child in your family? Um, you know, I come from a pretty interesting background. I was born in uh, Cameroon, West Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad was a professor uh, teaching English over there, and uh, I happened along somewhere in there. And then uh, from there, uh, we moved to Minnesota, which is a logical move from Africa, right? <laughs> um, uh, and um, I'm the youngest of four, so um, I guess when it comes to the cerebral palsy, um, you know, by the time my parents got to their fourth child, I think they were just <laughs> tired of, uh, you know, they realized at a pretty early age. Like my mom said, by the time we realized that there was something wrong with you, we knew that there was nothing wrong with you. That makes sense. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That actually so, does make sense. I feel very fortunate that I am the youngest with palsy and not the oldest because I truly believe there is a difference uh a new parent having uh, a kid with special needs is probably going to coddle them more than uh, is probably healthy for the children. Children, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky that, you know, <laughs> by the time they got to me, it was just like, okay, this is just another thing that we deal with. It's not the end of the world. So I'm yeah. very fortunate in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what was it like? You know, you said you're the youngest of four, so you know, your your brothers and sisters, or well, your siblings, they, they knew you as they knew you, so they didn't know you, if you will, pardon, to be any different, right? Correct. Yeah, you know, um, 
And I'm lucky that way, you know. They just, everyone in my family treated me like any other kid. You know, I had my chores, I had my stuff to do, and, um, you know, I wasn't spared from getting picked on by my siblings. You know, I think <laughs> that's part of why I am who I am today is because they didn't take it easy on me. You know, I mean, siblings can be pretty cruel, uh, but it was always in, in loving jest. You know, mm-hmm. my my sister, when I was about 10, both my sisters convinced me that there was something wrong with me because I hadn't had my period yet. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, laugh it up. Laugh it up. <laughs> so that just gives you a bit of an idea of what I've uh, <laughs> dealt with. <laughs> yeah, I can really... That's so funny. I that is really funny. So, yeah, and your poor parents—they probably just went right along with it, right? Yeah, you know, they—they definitely got me good. You know, part of me is still waiting for it to come. You know. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of you know childhood and you know youth and how I guess you know it's true, right? We children are innocent. They say whatever's in their on their mind. So, what was school like for you? You know. What was that whole environment like? Well, was I it- mean, there's a long process of, of um, figuring out who I am and where I fit in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell the truth, I didn't really know there was anything wrong with me until other people told me that. Um, uh-huh. So I was in uh, special education till the fourth grade, and then they realized that, hey, this kid's probably smarter than most of the mainstream kids. We should probably release him onto the greater public. And uh, so me and uh, one of my buddies were the first two disabled kids to go through uh, public school uh, uh, being disabled. So um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, trials and tribulations on that, you know. Old school teachers not familiar with alternative learning styles, but I came out as me, you know. Uh, hmm. I definitely remember my mom having to go down and yell at the teachers every now and again. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then I've also always had the gift of being funny, and um, that is a definite uh definite asset when you're talking about bullies or whatever it is, you know, I, um, okay. No, yeah. You know, uh, it's hard to be mean to someone that's funnier than you. (laughs) I've learned because you just end up looking like a fool. Yes. I I was going to ask, you know, when did you discover that you had, you know, your, your sense of humor, you know, that's sort of like a special gift for you an innate talent. So it just sort of emerged it sounds like. I I guess looking back, I've always had it. I guess I didn't really realize the power that I had until college. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in mm-hmm. high school, you're just kind of a, a block of wood. You don't really get much. You don't understand real world things. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I didn't realize that everyone wasn't funny like me. You know, and then I get to college and all my new friends are like, dude, you're funny all the time. Uh, like, <laughs> how do you do that? I was like, I don't know. You just do it. That's how my brain works, you know? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know, you know, you, you take a stand. I know, you know, you took a stand because you um, wanted to explore, if you will, the world of disability and how people treat people with disabilities or the labels that we place on people and uh, sort of limiting belief system. And, and that's sort of what led you, you know, to be and do what you do. Is that correct? Sure. I mean, initially I went into stand-up um, because it was something that I, for some reason, thought that I could do. I don't know how it was so, you know, ignorance is bliss. You don't know <laughs> what mm-hmm. a, a giant undertaking it is, but I just had this natural talent um, to to be on stage and, and be likable on stage and and off stage, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, but what it's grown into is I'm kind of the spokesperson for disability in a lot of ways. I have a platform to bring disability out into the limelight in a positive way where you look at disability differently. I'm able to um, connect your feelings toward my disability, I guess. And another crazy thing is that uh, I'm kind of the spokesperson for all disability, which is a very large <laughs> group of people. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, the, the world does clump us together. So if you, when you think of disability, it's, it's such a wide swath. It could be a blind person, a deaf person, someone with cerebral palsy, quadriplegic, mentally disabled. I mean, there's hundreds of different disabilities, mm-hmm. but we're mm-hmm. all categorized as one entity, which is right. pretty ridiculous. And it's, um, it's been fun kind of uh, educating people through humor. Mm-hmm. I, I try not to beat you over the head with my message. I just try to, I make you laugh about a topic that that you can learn from whether you realize you're learning it or not. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah, please don't hit me over the head. That happened to me once. I oh, that, yeah. would be, <laughs> that would not yeah. be good. Yeah, so, you know, I have a quote from you. I'm not sure from how long ago it is. It said, you say, quote, you're naturally... You're not naturally funny. You're just trying to fit in, end quote. So how long ago, do you remember when that quote was from? It, it's just sort of interesting because you didn't consider yourself to be naturally funny. Well, I'm not sure when that quote is from. Um, you know, perspective change. Uh, you know, I feel like I the gift that I have is not a learned gift. So mm-hmm. I... I am able to find the right, wrong thing to say in a situation, which kind of is a disarming tool. And by right, wrong, it's it's inappropriate mm-hmm. to a point of being appropriate, if that makes any sense. Um, yes. Like, my humor, or on stand-up, let's say I... Um, oh, let me start over. So... When I go on stage, I don't write down any of my material. I've never written one joke down. I just go up and do my thing that comes out of me. Um, mm-hmm. 
which is not a normal process for most stand-ups. You know, they meticulously write out their material, and I go up there with the uh, understanding or hope <laughs> that it will come out again. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. So you just go up there just as you are, and you let it fly. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that I don't have these jokes that I'm working on or, or developing mm-hmm. or that are already tried and true, but I feel like writing it down makes it stagnate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once you put it on paper. The other idea right. is if you don't write it down, you can't mess it up. Well, there you go, right? Right? I, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I lose things and don't remember things, so that makes total sense to me. <laughs> really, I totally get that. Hmm, I love that. So your 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 Josh Blue, your your material is really raw, if you will, unfiltered. Yeah, and I feel like, I like that's that. what makes a show. I mean, each show of mine is like a snowflake. You'll never see two that are the same. Um. Mm. And then it allows me to go with the moment as opposed to forcing this material on you that I want to get to you, whereas mm-hmm. I, can, I can present it when I feel like it's time for that joke in the show, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I want to ask you, do you, do you, or, you know, through your life or both, do you have a comedic role model that inspired you? Sure, I have uh, lots of uh, people that I love, uh, stand-up-wise. Uh, you know, Chris Rock has always been my number one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is his stuff is so raw and real, and um, it's very educational, like I was talking about before. like mm-hmm. The stuff he says should not be funny. But this is true. The way he delivers it, not only is it funny, but you come away with a different perspective of a topic that he's talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Um, and then there's the Richard Pryors and the Eddie Murphys, and I mean, they're just brilliant stand-ups. Um, you know, George Carlin is, you know, we have completely different styles as far as getting the material to the world. Like, he was a meticulous writer, you know, and I can admire that in him and I can see it in his work. Um, mm-hmm. Another guy I really loved was uh, Mitch Hedberg. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but yeah, he was uh, he was phenomenal. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got quite a collection, it sounds like, of people that inspired you. And of course, your family sounds like, you know, they're right in back of you, too, all along, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, my parents are a little disappointed. They wanted me to be a brain surgeon, but <laughs> no, they've been nothing but supportive. And, and That's you know, awesome. You, you know, you're in college and you tell your parents that you want to be a comedian. Most parents probably don't like that. But by the time <laughs> that they saw me doing it, I was already pretty established and, and good at it. So That's awesome. They saw the work in it, you know. At first, yeah, there was like some shock, I can imagine. Palpable yeah, shock. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, a normal <laughs> reaction to 
<laughs> to the kid that you just paid for their college telling you you want to be a stand-up. Coming up on a quick break, Josh. So I'm going to ask you and the listeners to please stay with us, and we'll be back momentarily. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life? It seems like we do, but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control. How do we get our thoughts back on track, so to speak? Listen for help. My thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to Show at gmail.com. That's theskyesthelimitshow at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag TheGiftIsTheShift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. This is your host, Karen Levitt, and my featured guest this week is Josh Blue. And Josh, welcome back to the show. So, yeah, you, you were highlighting us about, you know, your parents and what they experienced when you told them you were going to be a comedian instead of a, a writer, creative writer. And, and that's why you were in college. Is that correct? Um, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I found joy in writing, and I felt like it was a great way to express myself. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got into some theater, and, and I sort of uh, realized that I like performing, and I, I mean, it was super nerve-wracking and scary, but there was something so exhilarating about capturing an audience's attention with your words and... and Mm-hmm. I just kind of went from that to getting the courage to try to stand up. Hmm. And you tried that in college, is that right? At an open mic night? What was that yeah. like? What was the uh, open mic for uh, like music and poetry? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went up there. 
Um, I was so nervous, like super stage fright, super, you know, heart racing, the whole, every hand sweaty sort of thing. And I told the guy that was running, and I was like, just sign me up and make me do it. And he announced me, and I went up, and uh, it was pretty amazing. It was, uh, I, I mean, amazing in the fact that I was able to do it. If I watched that a video of that now, I would probably vomit because <laughs> it was so horrible. But um, I, I kind of I felt good up there, you know. I I felt like even though I had no idea what I was doing, but I I got up there and it was usually at that open mic there would be like maybe thirty people, and mm-hmm. then I at the end of my Set, I told the audience that I would be back to do it again next week. And then the next week when I went there, there was like 70 people in there. And I know that they were there for me because when I was done, everyone left. Wow, or maybe that's incredible. That I was so bad that everyone left. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't think that's the case. And then that happened repeatedly. Like audiences just kept getting bigger to come hear me tell my jokes and uh it was a interesting uh interesting growth like word of mouth people like hey you gotta come hear this kid and this dude tell his jokes it was a pretty small campus too so you know Mm -hmm. i was a guy on campus with the soccer ball so hey the guy with the soccer ball is pretty funny you should hear him you know that's funny. And we'll get into that. I definitely want to talk about you with your soccer ball in a minute. But I find it interesting that you, you know, your dad was a writer and you had expressed your interest and love of writing. And yet you say you get up on stage, you know, without material. Was it, you know, gathered from like, you know, college life? But what did you use for material? Was it college life back then or whatever came to um, mind? No, I was drawing from... Um when I was 16, I lived in uh, Senegal, West Africa, for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about some of my experiences as a boy in Africa. Um, and then uh, I remember a lot of my topics because I was a camp counselor for inner city youth for a couple summers. And, you know, imagine me in a canoe leading eight inner city kids down a river. There's a lot of uh, funny stories that come along with that. So I, I drew from that. Um, you know, I, 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 and then I'm also just um, a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say it, like uh, weird people are drawn to me. So every day I just experience nut jobs and wackos. And I have the ability to communicate with crazy people and that really provides a lot of fodder so can i ask about one of your experiences because i have a little note about one of them if is that okay you you were when when you were in africa you volunteered Uh at the zoo yeah did an internship in the zoo yeah and and I, i as i'm told you locked yourself in an empty animal exhibit for eight hours yeah. Well, I didn't. So, so what it. happened? Zoo, my fellow zookeepers locked it for me. Um, so I was doing an internship when I was uh, 20 in the Dakar Zoo, which is the capital of Senegal. Uh, I was there for about three months, 
Um, I love nature. I love animals. That was something that I was messing around the idea of getting into for a career. Um, so I was doing a photo documentary on, on the conditions, cages, close-up shots of animals, uh, some real beautiful pictures. But then also I kind of um, realized that, um, well, I, I wanted to feel what it was like to be on display as as a, you know. Okay, so I realized that I've been on display my whole life. Okay. Right? The, because of my disability, people stare at me constantly. And mm-hmm. I am at a point in my life where I know that it's usually not with uh, malintent. It's just human nature to look at things that are different. Same as if uh, someone seven foot tall walks in the room, you're probably going to look at that guy, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you see my body move. But then I... I thought that I was going in there to feel what it was like to be an animal uh, on display. And then I realized that I am an animal on display all the time. And that Hmm. this was just kind of a defining moment where I was like, okay, look at me. You want to look at me? Here I am. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is me in my rawest form. I mean, I just had shorts on. Like I was half naked, barefoot in, in a cage, you know? And I mean, hundreds of people came to the zoo that day. Like, I'm pretty sure locals were like leaving the zoo and telling everybody they knew, like, you got to come see this crazy animal in the cage. And, you know, the thing about that is that if you take cerebral palsy out of context, I don't have a crutch or a cane or anything to let mm-hmm. them know that I'm disabled, you just see my body movement, and then if you put that in a, into a cage, people really thought that I was some type of animal. <laughs> uh, mm. And my fellow zookeepers were, uh, you know, encouraging that. <laughs> so they, <laughs> the rumor was that I was a, a, uh, an ape from the mountains of the Congo that they had captured. Oh, that's funny. That's and, funny. Uh, yeah, and it was the best I I ate my whole time in Senegal. People were throwing me bananas, peanuts, <laughs> all kinds of food. I just ate like a king. That that's funny because I when I um, you know read off the brief information I had the note about this. You know, it said that quote unquote from you that was the best day you ever had in Senegal, which yeah, is kind of funny. Uh, yeah. Well, it was uh, groundbreaking for me, and uh, like to my knowledge, I don't think anybody has ever done that really. That's, put themselves that's pretty to play in a cage. And the other <laughs> amazing part of that day was uh, I shared a row of bars with a 400-pound silverback gorilla. So um, seriously, there was a, a definite uh, bit of tension between the two of us because he was jealous that I was getting all the food. Yeah, so you had to share pretty quickly, right? Right. I mean, well, we were divided because if I was in the cage with him, he would have not not destroyed me. But I I became one of three people in the world that could uh, pet that gorilla. 
Um, really? So he was he was a buddy, but I know that if I was in the cage, he would probably um, not out of being mean, but want to just like the zookeepers told me that when he was a baby, they used to go on the cage with him, mm-hmm. and then as he got older, he wouldn't let them leave the cage. Oh. He would just like wrap them up. My zookeeper buddy said he was in a cage for four hours because the wow. gorilla like had him in a bear hug. <laughs> kind of crazy. Wow, that that's incredible. That is really incredible. Because when you first said that, like immediate fear popped into my head. But that's not what this gorilla had intended. He just wants to hug and hang on. He was, he was just super lonely. They're, they're a social animal, and unfortunately, he was the only one in the zoo. So he wanted, he wanted love. He, there was two of them. There was a female, but she passed away pretty early in the, in the, the ordeal. So just a lonely guy. Oh, well, that, that, that is so incredible, though. You're one of three people. That's amazing. So does fear play any role? Because we talked about that briefly. But, yeah, you know, when fear shows up, what do you do with it? And, yeah, does it, does it play a role in your life? Fear? Mm, I'm not scared of too much. Um, I, I know when to be afraid. <laughs> like, animal-wise, you know, if there's a mountain lion in me, I know to be afraid. But mm-hmm. um, in general, I don't really fear too much. There's always fear of, uh, you know, career and kids and, you know, but always the unknown fear of what's to come in your life. But I don't try to uh, waste my time thinking about the what if. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I, no, I, you've just done so many incredible things. I wonder, you know, fear can usually pop up or anxiety or both. And, you know, how much energy you, you actually give that. So. Well, something I've been exploring is that, uh, you know, when people told me that I was disabled and that's how people were going to see me, I made a concerted effort to do things to try to achieve being ordinary, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. see me like a person. And then in that process, I somehow became extraordinary where I've done so many things in the pursuit of having you see me as a human that I've done more than most people will ever do in a lifetime. Yeah. You are quite a role model because I talk about that a lot. There's no dis in my ability. My injury is invisible, but I just have to, I had to relearn to re-navigate the world. So it's it's uh-huh. how I do it's it's how I do things. You know, it's not what I can't do. It, it's it's how I now do what I do. You know, right. so I, I I find your that really interesting. Yeah, because you you just have, seem like you have this great big soul. Like you're a survivor. You you know you didn't know like you said from a child you didn't know there was anything wrong. You're just being you. And it's the you know in the world who wants to point out that. You're different. Your parents actually did you a huge favor. They they taught you um, belonging and unconditional love and, you know, limitless boundaries, if you will. You know, they didn't treat you any differently, so I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate in the fact that they, they did that. 
I know that that's such a beautiful gift. And you know, we're going to come up on a quick break. So I'm going to ask you, Josh, and the listeners to stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. to the Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life. Learn about what isn't being said in business that keeps you stuck, under-recognized, and overlooked. Listen in on the exciting, sometimes awkward, and often sensitive subjects that aren't covered during the 9 to 5, but should be. Transform from being stuck to being sought after with Lori's proven concepts. Revolutionize the way you work and up-level your professional presence with the expert in professionalism, Lori Moss. The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. Can be heard every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt. Welcome back to The Sky's the Limit with my featured guest this week, Josh Blue. And Josh, we were talking about your life, which is colorful as a is a great word. I like that. And um, uh, yeah, and because <laughs> you are, you're you're super colorful. I love it. So I want to get into um, you know your brand of humor. You call it you uh, label it self deprecating, and I wondered if you could kind of describe what that is, and you know how you came up with that, and enlighten all of us. Um. So yeah, my humor is uh, a lot of me making fun of myself. Um, mm-hmm. But the tricky part of it is that uh, it's not really me making fun of myself. It's me making fun of your perception of who you think I am. Aha. Uh-huh. So it's been called by a dear friend, it's called reverse teasing. So you think that you're the one that's making the joke, but really I'm the one that's messing with you. <laughs> Got it. I love that. That's actually wise, and I, I and I've watched you. I love it. So yeah, you you talk about and I and I don't remember exactly, but you've got this phrase that I love called the palsy punch. What? Yeah. I I know you you use it in certain instances, or you say can can you describe and tell everyone what that is? Your palsy. For punch? Sure. I mean, 
So that was on my first album, and I haven't told that joke in probably eight years. Um, <laughs> but it is not just a joke, it's a real thing that I have. Um, the thing with uh, cerebral palsy is that we are very spastic, reactive people, very jumpy. So uh, my startle reflex is through the roof. Um, and it's ridiculous. It's, I'll, I'll jump at things that I shouldn't jump at, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But over the course of the years of having an older brother and friends that like to wrestle and fight, I work that into uh, a very directional, lightning-fast punch that <laughs> is virtually unstoppable because... My friends in college call me the human mousetrap. Like, they could, <laughs> like, slap me on the back of the head, and before the slap even went halfway through, I'd already punched them in the neck or something, you know? <laughs> like, um, and it's very unpredictable. You know, you don't know where it's coming from, and neither do I. So, <laughs> so look out. Yeah, don't startle me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because well, you're easily startled, so yeah, that that could happen without yeah, without any, any notice. <laughs> so yeah, I want to um, so you know, your career has been quite successful since you won last Comic Standing. What has this been like for you? What's the experience been like? You know, the success and you know maybe fear of failure. What it what has that been like? Well, you know, I, I did win last Made Comic it. Standing very early in my career. Um, I believe I was 26 years old which is, in the grand scheme of comedy, that's a pretty early age to reach such a pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've had to, I mean, I've, I, I've consciously known this, but it's hard to get back to that level because it was such an uh, amazing amount of exposure early on. So, you know, you're on national TV 15 weeks in a row and then have the country vote you the winner. Like, that's a pretty high mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I will say my career has been amazing. Uh, touring, it has its ups and downs, but um, it, I've put out, um, let's see, I just, recorded my fifth, fourth hour of uh, stand-up, and then I also have a music album that I've done. So in 10 years, I've been able to put out five albums. Um, wow. And one of those uh, sticky changes on Netflix right now. And what's amazing with that is that um, it's a little more time release, but I, I think it's getting to a level of last comic standing where so many people have Netflix now and it's mm-hmm. so easily accessible that it's um more people are recognizing me on the street from that now mm-hmm. than last comic, which was already 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Time does fly by, right? So yeah, I also oh, yeah. want to go back because we talked about you and your, with your soccer ball. So I mean, you grew up with, with siblings, and you said you had, you know, one of four. So you obviously engaged in childhood games and, and whatnot. So you, you took um, a, a liking to soccer. Is that right? Sure. Well, I come from a family of soccer lovers. 
Um, okay. All my siblings played uh, in high school. Um, my favorite team is Cameroon, so uh, it stems back to that, you know. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it's um, I just love the game. I unfortunately, when I was of the age, so when I was in junior high school, I went out for my soccer team, the school soccer mm-hmm. team, and I was cut from the team. Oh. Um, and, you know, it's my humble opinion that, you know, in junior high, nobody should be cut from a team. Mm-hmm. Just let us, let me come to practice. All I can do is get better, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what does, what message does that send to a kid? You know, right. you're not good enough for this. Yeah. Maybe I'm not at the same level as the other able-bodied kids, but I'm here and eager and willing to participate. Um, anyway, that aside, that was, uh, pretty heartbreaking for me early on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ever really, you know, but I didn't discourage my love of the sport and my, um, desire to play a game that I love. Mm-hmm. But it did discourage me from trying out for my college soccer team. I, I was scared to do that. Um, okay. but. Like I said before, I was always the guy with the soccer ball. So I'd be on campus and I would just have my soccer ball. And during lunch breaks, I'd start kicking it out on the main square. And then sure enough, there's 20 people joining in every day. And just random random people be like, oh, let me kick the ball for 10 minutes. Yeah. It was like a community. Uh, yeah, because in, in 2004, you, you actually played, right? Yeah, so then once I graduated from college, I learned about the Paralympics. And that's the Olympics for people with physical disabilities. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I you know I made it to 23 years old before even hearing about the Paralympics. I believe mm-hmm. that if I had heard about it as a kid, I would have had a very much longer prolific soccer career. But as it is, I was a member of the team for eight years. And I traveled all over the world representing our country and playing this sport that That's I love. That's pretty incredible. And I, uh, I, I, I made it to the 04 Paralympics in Athens, Greece, which, you know, that itself, you know, I think it's funny for me is like most people work their whole lives to make it to the Olympics, you know, and mm-hmm. that was just a side thing I was doing. <laughs> That that is pretty cool, though. It really is. So yeah, I, I want to talk about that because the um, Paralympic soccer team is a group of pretty, you know, special people, if you will. And and I don't mean that in any um, other way. It's just really dedicated, and you you play with heart, such heart and soul. Like you really give it your all. I think it's a, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful um, thing. Like I said, you know, the, the uh, Paralympics and the soccer team, and just the different venues that they highlight. I love that. I don't like losing. I know that much. So definitely so <laughs> ate a lot of humble pie on that one. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, you're very competitive by nature. So, um, geez, there's so much I we can talk about, Josh. And it looks like we're going to come up on a quick break. So I'm going to sure. ask you and the listeners to stay with us, okay? And we'll be right sure. back.
change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April Joy Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy in your life, or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people, your environment, fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, welcome back to The Sky's the Limit. This is your host, Karen Levitt, with my guest this week, Josh Blue. And Josh, so like I said before the break, there's so much we can talk about. You've done so much, and, and you just continue to, to keep cranking it out. And your life is pretty full because you're married and you have kids. So what's, what's life like for you? What's, um, can you enlighten us? Uh, you know, I have a pretty wicked tour schedule that I I uh, have been doing for since I was the one last comic. Um, so I have a pretty big road life, um, but I'm also uh, I love being a dad more than mm-hmm. anything. Um, you know, I will tell you, I'm no longer married, but it's it's good. It's a good thing. Um, okay. But it's one of those things, like, I, I've i always wanted to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Never so sure about the husband part, but <laughs> I mean, you can't cage this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but being a dad, for me, is my biggest accomplishment in life. Like, I've made these two little amazing people that are so full of energy and life and... Um, I get to to raise them up, and it's it's great, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love so, it, and and then you know, there's 
a lot of juggling, you know, as far as, I, I mean, I have 50% custody, so you throw that on top of my tour schedule, basically when I get home, mm -hmm. I'm instantly dad. There's really no downtime for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I, I love it. Um, yeah. But then I also am trying to, always trying to do the next thing, you know, be it mm -hmm. the next stand-up special or a TV show or a movie or uh, I'm a painter and a sculptor, so I'm always trying to sneak in some, some artwork. Um, mm -hmm. I'm working, working on doing an art gallery uh, showing here this year with um, all these giant wood carvings that I've been doing. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's like a... I was definitely very influenced by uh, African art, so a lot of my masks are, are have a, a feel of uh, Africa in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, West. Uh, I'm sorry, when you were in Cameroon, that really left an impression on you, which is awesome, and now you're sharing that with the world. I love yeah. that. I love well, that. Well, it's a unique point of view. <laughs> I know, from Africa to Minnesota, like you said, right? Right. <laughs> that's, that's that's definitely a travel plan. Um, yeah, I you know, do your children see you as any different, Josh? Or, you know, they just, you're dad, right? So they love you 110%. And yeah, they you know, know, I'm dad. They don't, you know, they've seen me perform before. They've come to shows, but... You know, they're not really great audience members, I'll tell you that. They don't care what daddy's doing. They'll yell at me from... <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, my kids are funny and smart little people, you know. Mm -hmm. And we asked my son, my uh, seven-year-old, what does your daddy do? He's like, oh, he's a boxer. <laughs> He knows I'm not a boxer, but uh, that's funny. Just messing with people. So referring referring think, back to your palsy punch. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. So, can I ask what what's what's next for you? Because it seems like there's nothing that you can't do. You know what I mean? You do you you try and you live so fully. What's next for you? Well, I really would like to have a a. a role on a TV show or my own show, um, I feel like I have the potential to, to put out an amazing, funny show that's enlightening. Mm -hmm. It's just that this business is not easy as far as, you know, you can come up with the concept of a TV show idea, but getting it to all the way to airing is there's a lot of steps and a lot of things that go wrong with that. So mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. tried many a time to make a TV mm -hmm. show, but I, I'm also pretty patient with it. I understand that these things happen when they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing that I am running into uh, uh, is as far as we have come in regards to the disabled community, there's mm. still a lot of uh, ignorance, fear. Um, it's still almost too taboo for any TV network to 
sign up for something like what I'm mm-hmm. trying to put out there. Um, yeah. But they also, I think, don't realize how big the disabled community is. I mean, we're the largest minority group on the planet. Exactly. Well, that be- oh, 70, what, 75% of us are employed. That's, mm. a, that's a huge TV market of people that are home watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> that is. You know, and I was going to ask you, you know, because I know that's your underlying message. So what would you have to share with any of the listeners, you know, who may be battling, you know, what it, with, with someone with a disability or, you know, their own, you know, disability, you know, they feel low, they feel judged, they feel down on themselves, you know, what would you say to them to, to get them back reengaged into life, you know? Well, I know that it's very easy to be swayed and hurt by other people and other people's thoughts of who you are and, um, people's low expectation of what disability is. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're true to yourself and you go with what you know that you want to do and love to do, then nobody can stop you from having a beautiful, wonderful life. Oh, I love that. That's absolutely true, right? If you find your passion and you go for it, because that's your truth, right? It doesn't matter what we look like or what we what we can or what we can't do or what we look like or don't look like, if you will, or whatever. It, it's what's inside, right? Right. So you can't let other people dictate your life, you know? Exactly. Well, you say I can't do it, but I say I can, and screw you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. No, I love that. So, Josh, I can't believe the hours. And with that, I have to uh, come come to a close. So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to say thank you to you and the listeners, and I'll see everybody next week on The Sky's Limit. So thank you once again, Josh Blue. It's been a My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.